This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And as usual, welcoming your calls and your text messages for Julie Wise and Horn yeah, from the good University morning, good of morning. Minnesota. Good to see you on this breezy day. It is windy out <laughs> you, there. You had to kind of anchor yourself. <laughs> I uh, did. I had to blow, put up my hood and hold everything. Good thing I have a heavy purse. Well, you know, the, <laughs> <laughs> you're anchored. Uh, it, it does do that. It is amplified in, in, these, in the streets down here with the buildings. Yeah, the just, wind comes around the buildings yeah. and starts swirling around, and it's, it's twice it's as little, windy down here. It's a little biting. In fact, I just see we've <laughs> dropped one degree in the Ooh. last hour. Light snow in parts of uh, CCO land, uh, the Twin Cities. It had a text. Uh, Snowing in Robbinsdale, Crystal, New Hope area. Oh, sure. So there. Yeah. It's going to happen today. Glad I got all today. my stuff in this week. Holy cow, all my plants. And you brought in some pickles. And I brought you some pickles. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, the 2019 batch of dill pickles. They are so good. They so are thank good. Thank you for that. They are good. I've never done that. I've never tried the canning. It's a lot of work. I, Is it? Yeah, Kathy and I, my uh, my buddy that I pickle with, every year we... Kind of go, is this the last year? <laughs> it is no, a labor no, no. of love. It is yeah. a labor of love. Yeah. you got to plan it. <laughs> so thank you for bringing those in. You bet. Sharing Enjoy. Them yeah, we'll, we'll, in fact, tonight, I think. Perfect. We'll if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, 651-989-9226. And as we've been saying, it uh, it's the, the number, same number for the text as the phone call. So if you want to chat with the Julie on the phone, 651-989-9226, or use that number for... Uh, for a text message as well. Uh, is this, uh, not that you have a crystal ball, but I wonder, <laughs> I hope we don't have another crazy winter season like we did last year. You know, we just don't know. <laughs> no, we don't. And it's, it's supposed to actually, the temperatures are supposed to be quite cold. I think uh, Mark Seeley in his a weekly weather talk blog, which people can find on the extension site, um, he indicated that it would be cold through the weekend, and then it's supposed to get kind of back to normal temperatures, which I believe are in the fifties or so. I'm looking, Julie, at uh, by Thursday we're we're going to get up to fifty-seven, right. fifty-eight Friday. Yeah, so we've so, got a stretch of nice yeah. weather coming. It's this is not here for, for no, no, good. No. Not yet. Not not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but this the snow that we get from time to time is not necessarily bad for us, right? No, it, it's it's so slight that it's not um, it's not going to be doing uh, a whole lot uh, of damage. It's the the wind is actually that's more concerning probably just if it stays really windy and really cold. But it's going to warm up, so it's not going to be an issue no. for evergreens or any trees. Let's uh, go to the phones before we, we uh, run out of time. Uh, Miller in Golden Valley calling up here. Miller, what's your question, please? Good morning. Morning. Uh, we had an empty plot that was about three feet by four feet, and we thought, well, let's plant the Japanese lantern. Oh, so sure. We, we, plant the, we planted, we thought we planted about three, but now we got about 50 of them. <laughs> and they're about three feet high, but they're still green. They never change. I thought they'd be oh, changed to a golden. That's too bad. Um, for those who don't know, Japanese lanterns are uh, kind of like, they're, I think, Miller, you'd agree, they're kind of like a tomatillo in a way. They have a fruit inside of a husk. 
Uh-huh. And the husk is shaped kind of like a little lantern. And usually they turn bright orange and they're used for uh, decorative purposes. You can cut them and put them in a vase and, and uh, as a dry dry arrangement. Um, well, it's no, no surprise that you have 50 plants now because uh, when those plants do drop those seeds, then each of those fruits have many seeds in them. And, and those seeds hang out through the winter, and then they'll uh, root up in the spring and, and grow. But it's too bad they didn't turn orange for you. Um, I, I can only say that that's just a maturity thing for the plants. So it may be that the, that the weather didn't cooperate. It might be, you know, it was a really wet summer, I think. It was pretty damp. Um, and that it just didn't get to that point. I, I would leave them there for the moment because I think they may, I wonder if they would turn orange with uh, with the, um, uh, the weather that we're having. But it has to do with the age of the plant. And uh, they might just have gotten a later start because of our cool, wet spring that we had. All right. That's a great question. I've never had a Japanese lantern question on the show. That is a first. That yeah, I recall my mom too. used to grow them, and and they were really fun. You know, they kind of rattle. You could, you could, they dry out, and you could rattle them. And I haven't seen those for years. Though. I know they're kind of an old time plant. Yeah, six five one nine eight nine nine two two six. Not edible. No, I don't think they're edible. Um, and again, if you want to send a text, that's uh, the, the same number. Do you have any idea? A texter wants to know with this cold, how much cold weather. Can pumpkins take before they freeze solid? I have no idea. <laughs> I think you have to have some pretty cold nights, um, you know, pretty consistently in a row. And I don't know if the next three nights are, or two nights are going to make that much of a difference. You can just roll those pumpkins into the garage for the night, and that would probably be fine. Okay. Uh, what does this texter want here, Julie? Where would I find Oh, species what? tulips. So uh, we have a lot of the tulips that we grow are hybrid tulips. Those are the big traditional tulips that you see. But species tulips are a little bit different. They're, um, they're very hardy and they are smaller. They have usually a, a pointed petal. And uh, I actually have some to plant. You do. <laughs> and I ordered mine online. I just started searching for them and I Googled species tulips and up came a couple of vendors and I ordered mine that way. So I would suggest just, just Googling them, just searching for them. All right. 651-989-9226 for your calls or your text messages. Uh, please repeat, Texter says, how you save your canna lilies. We talked about that last so week. So canna lilies, cannas uh, are warm season bulbs. So they are not hardy through Minnesota. So they need to be saved over the winter. And you can do that a couple ways. I have mine in some five-gallon buckets that slide right into a decorative container in front of my house. And I just pick that bucket up and I put it in our garage. Now, our garage is about 45 degrees through the winter. Uh, I don't water them. I just leave them. That's one way. I've been successful for several years with those plants. The other way uh, is to dig them up and let them dry. So set them in a nice area where they're not going to get wet uh, and let them just dry out. They kind of cure. And then you can store them in a paper bag or you can put a little bit of peat moss in there just to cushion them and then uh, just keep them in a a cool, dry location. Dry is the important thing because if there's, if you're in a damp basement, you're going to get mold on them. And, uh, and you don't want to put them where it's hot and dry. Like don't put them next to your furnace in your furnace room because that's going to dry out the, the corn. And so you want to put them in a cool, dry location. In, the, in late winter, 
pot them up and put them in a sunny window and water them. And you'll get a head start then on the spring. So uh, uh, if you wait too long and you put them in the ground later, they may not flower for you, depending on how much. They need full sun. They're a full sun plant. And that would be that would be how you do it. Okay. Very good. Julie, let's uh, take a quick break here. We uh, invite our listeners to call in or text in. Same number, 651-989-9226. Don't wait, though. You know, we always tend to get busy on this show. We, we want to help you out. So call in or text your lawn or garden question for Julie. All right. Well, let's get, let's get back. I don't know quite what that was, but uh, we're back now. We were playing Scrapple. <laughs> we... Uh, we were Word discussing. Games. Well, I'll tell you what. This we'll we'll tell you why there we're you laughing. There you go. Yeah. Uh, text in your lawn or garden question or call it in. Uh, Julie Weisenhorn <laughs> here from the U of M. And we did get a text, and you and I were talking about that very thing. And it, let me just read it, and we'll go from there. So, does this weather mean that there has been a hard frost? First, answer that. No. No. <laughs> Not, Not yet. yet. No. <laughs> we still have. Texter says Brussels sprouts in a raised bed, and they are covered in uh, half an inch of snow. And this is a 320 area code, so we know it's It's, a little further further north. north. (laughs) But I told you, and I I can't remember my son Tony saw And this is why we were laughing. uh, Because he said, now keep in mind, a lot of people say uh, they call them Brussels sprouts, but the real term is Brussels sprouts. And Julie said, no. <laughs> and I never knew that either. And then you looked, you did a little I research. I looked it up on our vegetable page. And it is truly Brussels sprouts. And I thought, that's five S's. It's tough to say. <laughs> it's hard to say, especially on the radio. But what do you, what do you say about that so second question? I, I did look that up. And if you visit our extension site, if you have vegetable questions like this or lots of other types of questions, uh, extension.umn.edu. Go to the yard and garden page, and under our vegetable section, we have vegetables A to Z. And, of course, Brussels sprouts are on that. And according to uh, our vegetable experts there, they actually get better with cold fall weather if you leave them in the garden. They can stay in the garden as long as temperatures are above 20 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, above 20. Yeah, so you can keep them in there. You don't have to worry about them freezing and they're just going to get better. Are you a fan of Brussels sprouts? I like Brussels I do too. sprouts. <laughs> uh, I like them sautéed with a little olive oil and garlic. Carl, my husband, does not like them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I sneak them in when he's not looking. but <laughs> I have to chop them up real fine. So go ask him how you pronounce that when you get home. Yeah, today. he's, oh, he he's probably an English listening, major, so. so he probably knew well, maybe that. Maybe he knew that. <laughs> 651-989-9226. This is uh, the hour we do Lawn and Garden Talk, welcoming your questions by phone and by text. Same number, again, applies to both the phone calls and the text messages. Uh, are there, Texter says, any perennials that should be cut down now in the fall, any perennials that should not be cut down? Well, I'm a fan of leaving perennials standing uh, for a couple of reasons. One is we just don't have anything else to look at in our landscape. And if you leave some interesting seed heads like echinacea and rudbeckia, of course, your hydrangeas, they look fantastic against the snow. Uh, It gives you something that adds some winter interest to your landscape. So that's number one. The second part of that is that uh, stems that are hollow on plants can serve as... uh, locations for stem nesting bees to lay their eggs. So a stem nesting bee may tunnel through a stem. They may tunnel down a cut stem, and uh, they'll lay about five eggs in that stem. 
And those eggs will then hatch out in the next season. And so when you're cutting, if you do have to cut things back, sometimes branches break Mm -hmm. off in wind like today. They snap. If you do have to cut those back, Mm -hmm. just take them down, you know, uh, boy, I don't know, six or eight inches, even taller than that. And then take those branches that you cut and just put them in the back of a garden bed under a spruce tree, someplace out of the way that the bees can still, the eggs can still hatch out. And that you, they can still find those stems next year when they're going to look for a, a place to lay their young. And, um, and just leave those stems standing. And your plants will grow up around them. So, you know, a hosta, for example, has a hollow flower stem. That's a perfect example of one to just cut down to about six inches and then leave them standing. And the plant will just grow up around them next spring. And those, you can just pull those out next spring and tuck them back in a garden where a, a bee might be able to find them for some habitat. Hmm. I just saw my wife doing that very thing the other day. That's Sandy. She's smart. Yeah, with mm-hmm. uh, with the hostas. Yeah. yeah. And we do have a great video on that that um, uh, we put together last year. And it is called, um, it's about uh, fall preparation for, um, for the winter and for pollinators, making your garden uh, pollinator friendly for winter. And you can find that on our website. And that's extension.umn.edu. Go down to flower uh, yard and garden and flowers for pollinators, and the video is right there. So. It's amazing what you can find on that yes, website. Yes, yes. You guys and really worked hard on that. We have a very interesting uh, video that just came out. It's hot off the press in our Yard and Garden News blog, which you can subscribe to. There's a subscribe button there, and that will give you uh, an alert every couple weeks. Mary Meyer, who's part of the show yeah. also, and uh, she did a great video on how to f- try to figure out what kind of apple you have in your backyard, which is a question. We get that every year. Do you really? We get lots of apple questions. People will bring an apple to the state fair and say, can you tell me what this is, Master Gardeners? And they all go, oh, I don't know. But um, <laughs> they have some resources for that. They're, they're uh, pretty wise folks. Um, but it's a great video, and so I would recommend everybody take a look at that. It's really fun to watch, and you think about it, and you think about how somebody comes across a plant, and they say, well, I know it's an apple, but I'd like to know, is it a type of a cultivar that's been bred? Sometimes, as Mary mentions in the video, they're just wild apples. No kidding. They're, they can... If they're big and gnarly and they've been on a, maybe an older homestead, they could just be a wild apple that just dropped a seed and hmm. grew over the years, and here you are. Well, give us that website again. Extension.umn.edu and go to Yard and Garden. And this is uh, any time of the year is a good time to go to the uh, Arboretum. Not just just when there's no snow on the ground. I was just there uh, yesterday for a workshop, and they have a squash tree, a tree made of all different kinds of squashes growing in, (laughs) growing, well, standing in the visitor center. It's amazing. Great color. Oh, so cool. You know, just wanky looking things. They're crazy looking. And uh, and they did such a neat job. So if you've been there before and seen their poinsettia tree where they just stack the poinsettias, it's a special metal tree. It's like, I don't know, 40 feet tall. They've done that now with squash. So it's really cool. <laughs> and they're all over the place. You can you can see them. They're very fallish. Get to the Arboretum. Get to the Arboretum, not yes. Regret it. yes. All right, hang on, Julie. Uh, we have another half hour of the show to go, but don't go away. I mean, if you have a lawn or garden type of question, that's uh, this is the, the person you want to chat with. You can call in your question. You can text in your question. Uh, it's the same number, 651-989-9226 for your phone calls or text messages for Julie.
Good morning. Welcome back to CCO's Lawn and Garden Show. We call it Smart Garden. We have a smart gardener in studio <laughs> with us. She's more than that, though. Julie Weisenhorn from the <laughs> University of Minnesota had to work that in. Um, Julie, we wanted, kinda, kinda, we wanted to follow up on a uh, earlier text about yeah. what should be cut down and what should not. I got talking about what shouldn't be cut down on those perennials, and I didn't finish actually answering the question uh-huh. about what should be cut down. One thing I would cut down at this point would be uh, any diseased plants. If you've got... Um, I'll give the example of peonies. If you've had a, a peonies that have uh, powdery mildew on them, very common, or, or uh, another plant like that, I would probably take those down, and you can compost uh, those peony parts. So you could take those down. Anything that's broken off or fallen down uh, or that's laying on another plant, all of those could be taken down as well too. So um, things that have fallen. I've got some real tall plants, and, and when you get wind like this, they start to to lay on the next plant, and eventually they just kind of break off. So I might take those off. You can kind of tidy it up that way. But do think about the plants that are um, are standing up nice and tall. Uh, shrubs like hydrangeas, I mentioned earlier, that have a, a really interesting uh, dried flower head as they age. Leave those up because that gives you something to look at in the, in the winter. And any seed heads uh, like echinacea or uh, other plants that, that provide food for birds, too, for our overwintering birds, are also good to leave up as well. Okay. If you want to call in your question, 651-989-9226. If you want to text, same number, 651-989-9226. Our texter says, Julie, are parsley and rosemary frost-sensitive? And maybe we can talk about frost. Yeah, they are frost-sensitive. So if if you would like to keep your herbs through the winter, you can go out. uh, I would go out probably today. They may have been already hit. The rosemary wouldn't show it as much, but the parsley definitely would have kind of a, a transparent look to the leaves. They'd be darker green. They'd maybe be almost like they've been in the fridge in the back where they froze a little bit. Um, and uh, you can still eat it, though. You could still cut it up and chop it and put it into soup. You could freeze it in your freezer for future use. I do that with a lot of herbs. And, uh, and you could dig up those plants, though, and bring them indoors and put them in a nice sunny window in, a, in some fresh soil you want to use. Whenever you bring plants indoors and, and repot them, you want to use uh, garden soil or potting soil that you've gotten, not garden soil, but potting soil that you've gotten from uh, a garden center or a hardware store. Don't use garden soil that's been sitting out, you know, the garden soil from your garden or potting soil that's been sitting open outside because you can get a lot of critters in that, a lot of bugs. Mm. Bring those indoors, and then you got a whole other problem on your hands. So... Um, use some use a new bag. I always buy a new bag of potting soil, and that's what I use to pot up my plants that come indoors. Okay, good advice. Texter says I have a lilac bush that I've had indoors all summer. Is it too late to plant out now? And if so, what's the best way to overwinter? Now I'm baffled by that that there would be a lilac bush yeah. indoors. Yeah. So I'm not sure why that would be the case. Um, it is pretty late to plant it, but. We are going to have this nice stretch of weather. So, you know, if you leave it indoors through the winter, chances are it's going to die. It's not going to survive. Um, And it definitely will not bloom because it needs that cold period to set flower buds. It may not have set any. I'm sure it hasn't set flower buds if it's been indoors all summer. Uh, So I would I would take a chance unless it's some really, truly, you know, you've got some um, uh, emotional attachment to that plant but if you if you do want to see it uh actually maybe bloom one of these years you'd want to get it outside and i would do that as soon as this this cold snaps over and uh take advantage of those warm days that are coming up
and I'd get it outside. Be sure to water it really, really well, and then mulch the root area to keep that moisture in. And uh, and hopefully, hopefully you'll get some blossoms. I doubt you'll get them next spring, but you may get them the following year. Okay. Uh, text uh, says this: Should I cut back my peonies and bee balm that have powdery mildew on them? <laughs> well, there's that. There's, there's your... the answer. Yeah, I would cut back the peonies uh, just because those branch, those leaves are gonna they're gonna flop right over pretty soon. The bee balm's another story. Uh, the bee balm has a hollow stem, and it is very popular with bees. And so I would leave those standing. They also have some nice, interesting seed heads that are left behind. And I would leave those standing in your garden. Certainly if they've broken off, you can cut them down. But, um, you know, powdery mildew is one of those uh, uh, fungi that we have everywhere. And it's just something that you live with as a gardener. You uh, plant your plants a little further apart maybe just to give some better air Mm -hmm. circulation. Uh, that will help to alleviate some of the uh, powdery mildew uh, 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 spores, but um, but I would leave the monarda and I'd cut down the peony and I'd, I'd compost the peony and then I'd leave that monarda standing. All right, we welcome your lawn and garden questions for Julia uh, either by phone or by text six five one nine eight nine nine two two six for either calls or texts. How do I get rid of Texas's wild violets in my yard? They spread everywhere this year. I tried a chemical treatment in the past with little luck. Okay. <laughs> so I've gotten flack before about talking about pesticides, and, um, and we do encourage people at all times to, do, to employ good practices. In other words, cultural practices, mechanical practices that prevent weeds from growing in your yard. For example... You want to choose good species for your yard. You have full sun, you choose a full sun grass. You have shade, you choose a shade grass, or you opt for mulching an area and growing shade perennials in that area. You've heard me say that before. And uh, when you have an infestation, or or let's, let's, let's back up a little bit. When you have just a few weeds here and there, you can dig those out. You can hand dig those out, uh, get a good sharp dandelion digger for the dandelions, get a nice little uh, strong uh, trowel and dig those uh, violets out. When you have a large infestation, you have a couple of choices. One is consider it a bee lawn and mow it uh, and uh, you know try to manage your weeds by mowing. And, uh, and what that does is as you mow off parts of plants, you, uh, you deplete their energy for photosynthesizing. And that photosynthesis puts energy back into the roots and builds a stronger root system, which is not what you want for weeds. When you uh, have certain areas that maybe one or two places, and maybe you physically cannot get down on your knees, I know I have trouble some days, uh, can't get down on your knees to dig those weeds, or you don't have a lawn service to do it or somebody to come do it, then you maybe would spot treat a weed. That means you spray only that weed. And you do not spray it when there are bees out there, and you just spot treat it. Uh, if you have a massive infestation of, say, creeping Charlie or wild violets, and it, and it is something that you feel very strongly about getting rid of, you can do a couple things. You can rent a sod cutter, and you can cut that entire area out of your yard, and you can overseed it with a good, healthy seed. The important thing is to seed it right away. Don't wait because then you're going to just get more weeds growing there. And you're going to have to keep up on 
trying to keep those weeds under control. They're going to pop back up a few here and there, but you want to really get a good, lush, healthy lawn that is, uh, uh, you know, growing well. And follow your lawn care uh, guidelines. We have that on the extension site. We have a calendar that tells you when to do things. If you have to use a pesticide, if, if you have tried everything else and pesticide is the way to go for you for various reasons, and there are many personal choices that people make, then uh, then you want to choose the right pesticide. That is, We can help you with that. We have good information on our website. And you want to apply it correctly. And that's not only for your own safety, meaning that you use the proper safety protection, goggles, gloves, long pants, shoes, all those things, but that you also apply it according to the label and frequency so that you are as minimally impacting pollinators as possible. Pollinators are very key. They're important. They're in our landscapes. But we have, but in some cases, when you have an infestation of an invasive species, you have a crop failure potential if you're in agriculture, uh, other things like that, you have choices to make. And some people choose a pesticide. And while we do everything we can in extension to make sure that people do not use a pesticide needlessly and that they try everything else first, but ultimately it's a person's choice. And then we step in to help make sure that they are using it properly and they're using it safely. Safely is the most important thing. Safety for people, safety for water, and safety for other animals in the landscapes, including pollinators. I'll get off my soapbox. No, that's very good. Thank you. That's a good point. That's a long explanation. There are lots of choices, and people make personal choices, but we are there to help. And uh, Give us a website again. Extension.umn.edu. Go to Yard and Garden. And uh, you can uh, visit some information there. There's that the uh, lawn care catalog or lawn, lawn care calendar. And that calendar is going to help you to time things to do in your lawn, like airification, dormant seating, that will help you to have a healthy lawn and minimize the, the weed issues and therefore minimize or eliminate the need for pesticides in your yard. Very good. Uh, We're going to go back to the phones. Gordy, hang on. We'll uh, take this quick break and be right back with our Smart Garden Show on this Saturday morning. Call us or text us. Same number applies, 651-989-9226. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. And thanks to the good folks like Julie Weisenhorn for helping you out with your lawn or garden question. And we got a bunch of them, as you can see, Julie, a lot of texts. And a couple of texts. I know Gordy's waiting. A couple of texts just to clarify. Pesticides. When I use the term pesticide, pesticide is the all-inclusive term for anything that <laughs> destroys things, that kills things. That's what they're for. An herbicide is a pesticide. An insecticide is a pesticide. A rodenticide is a pesticide. A fungicide is a pesticide. So that is, I know there are numbers of people saying, you should say herbicide. Pesticides, herbicides are a type That's of pesticide. That's a whole umbrella name. It's a whole right. umbrella, yeah. Okay. Just to clarify. I'm glad you did. Uh, Gordy in Minneapolis is uh, first up here on the phone. Thanks, Gordy. What's your question? Uh, I got a question about arbovitis. Um, last year, we had uh, five arbovitis that got some serious brown spots on them. And uh, they said it was probably because we didn't water them enough going into the winter. And so my wife bought five new arbovita trees. And unfortunately, they haven't been planted yet. So they're still in their 10-gallon okay. box. Is it too late to plant them and then water them heavily yet? Well, I or- think, yeah, I think you're either going to want to get them in, you're going to want to get them in the ground 
as soon as possible and just keep watering them. You know, feel the soil. If the soil's soaking wet or you got a lot of rain, you don't have to worry about watering them. You just want to keep them well watered until the ground freezes. At that point, of course, you're not going to get any water soaking in. But otherwise, you're going to lose the plants. They're not going to make it through the winter uh, if they're not planted. So you may as well plant them. And we're coming up, you know, Monday would be a good day to do it. We're coming up to some good good uh, weather for that. Yeah, good. And mulch the base of them, too, and that will hold in that moisture, too. That'll help a lot. Thank you, Gordy. Texter says maple tree leaves are covered with uh, little tiny dots. They look like tiny eggs most of the tree, and it actually makes leaves drop off early and curl up, uh, and they're dark as well. Those could be uh, galls, and galls are kind of a harmless result of insect feeding but not going to affect your tree. I'm sorry that they drop off because they're a little bit heavier probably, but uh, they're I think that's what they are. If they're tar spot, tar spot is another uh, issue with maple trees. Um, again, it, it I don't think it would make the leaves drop off soon, though. I'm not sure. Um, but that's all. It, that's it, and, and it's probably not going to be an issue next year. Is that something uh, they could check out on, on they, the site? Yes, they could check it out on the site. And we have some diagnostic tools on our extension site. One is called What's Wrong With My Plant? And there you can find out information about maple galls as well as uh, the tar spot. And that will probably uh, help maybe uh, put your mind at ease. Uh, Here's a text, Julie. Slugs have completely destroyed my hostas. I've discovered that sprinkling a little baking soda on them will kill them. My question is, will the baking soda harm any other important insects? Uh, That's a first question. Yeah, I've never heard of baking soda on slugs. Um, I'm curious if they're putting the baking soda on the hosta leaves or if they're putting it on the slugs. Um, usually for slugs, uh, what we've recommended is diatomaceous earth, which uh, you put around your your hosta at the base, and it prevents the slugs. The slugs don't like to crawl over it. It's sharp, and it cuts up their soft little bodies. Uh, the other thing you can do, too, is uh, you can peel off some of the lower leaves of your hostas so that they're not lying on the, on the soil surface. That opens up airflow and gets light under there, which slugs don't like. People put down boards in their uh, gardens along pathways, and the slugs kind of congregate under those boards, and then you just pick up those boards in the morning and scrape off the slugs. Um, So there's a couple of things to do, but I would say take a look at the Yard and Garden uh, page on Extension at extension.umn.edu. Go to Yard and Garden and look that up under, under Hostas under the What's Wrong With My Plants, and you'll find some information about slugs. You can just Google that, too. Google Slugs UMN, and you'll come up with uh, any and all articles and web pages that we've written on slugs, too. Slugs are kind of tough, and we had a really wet year, too. That doesn't help. So mulching your base of mulching around the base of those uh, hostas will help, too, a little bit because slugs don't like to climb over that sharp mm. mulch as much. Okay. It might deter them. Texter says this, Julie, should I, can we get this uh, uh, from time to time, should I cut back spirea? Well, it depends on when the spirea blooms. So if your spirea blooms on uh, in the summer, that means that it blooms on wood that's produced in the spring. In other words, uh, it you can cut it back now or in the spring and it will produce new branches and it will bloom then. If it's a spring blooming spirea, you want to you want to hold off. You want to prune it actually right after it blooms, so that it can set flower buds for next year. So you just have to figure out what what time of year your spirea is blooming. Okay, here is another text. Is it too late to plant peony bulbs? 
Yes, I would hold off and plant peonies uh, in the spring. I think that's a better bet. And be sure you plant them at the right depth, inch and a half or so. Okay. Uh, another text, uh, but we'll, we'll do a lightning round here. Do I, do I have to pull up the, uh, my parsnips? I think parsnips are, uh, you could look in, on that uh, vegetable page that we looked at about the Brussels sprouts. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think parsnips are, are like carrots and parsnips, those root vegetables, they actually get better if they're left in the ground when it gets colder. I know people who keep their carrots in the ground till Thanksgiving. Really? Dig them up in the snow, and they're sweet. They're more flavorful. Yeah, more flavorful. Kind of concentrates the sugars, yeah. I think, the cold. Uh, here's a text of the questions uh, about lilacs. They have lilacs that have not been cut back in over 40 years. Can I cut them down to the ground, and will they start over? You would be doing a, uh, yeah, I want to call it a rejuvenation pruning, I think it's called. It's either in renewal or rejuvenation. I mix the two up all the time. We have a good uh, instruction page on that web page on our trees and shrubs section, and uh, and lilacs. If if you want to have lilacs blooming next year, forty years that's a long time. Those are some lilac trees. If you want to have bloom on them, then you would want to let them bloom next spring and then do your cutting back at that point. Uh, otherwise, if you cut them back now, just expect you're not going to get any flowers at least for one season, maybe two. Okay. And take a look at that web page under Trees and Shrubs. Let's have a quick phone call from Tommy. Tommy, what's your question for Julie? Uh, yes, my cannas um, really just started blooming about a week ago. <laughs> oh, bummer. <laughs> and I, I'm going to need to dig up the bulbs. When should I be digging those up? Well, you can wait until the plant actually just dry, dies, till it, you know, the green part above ground just dies over, tips over, turns brown. Uh, pretty much dies back, and then you can dig them up. All right, Tommy, thank you for the call. Here's a fun text. My daughter started an amaryllis plant in her high school botany class. Way to go. This past spring. <laughs> do I allow a new plant like that to go dormant in a dark room, or do I keep it green and growing through the winter for a few years, and how many years before it'll bloom? Oh Well, I can't predict how many years before it blooms, but since it's a small plant, I would keep it growing. I wouldn't uh, try to over, you know, try to give it a, a resting period. Amaryllis really don't need a resting period. That's kind of an old... Uh, old way of managing them. The reason people do that is because they want to time the bloom for a specific time of year, say Christmas or Hanukkah or Easter or Valentine's Day, whatever it is. And so they put those bulbs in, they dig them up now. Well, they should be inside by now, I hope. Um, Mm -hmm. Bring them inside, let them dry out, put them in a dark place for 12 weeks, and then pot them up or bring them out if they've left them in the pot put them in a sunny window, and they should should start to bloom at that point. But they really don't need this resting phase. It's only if you want to time the bloom. With a little plant like that, I wouldn't risk it. I would keep that plant growing as a house plant in a sunny window and just keep watering it as usual. Put it outside next year uh, in, a, in a location where it can really photosynthesize and build a lot of energy and put that back into that bulb. Got about a minute to go, Julie. Can I still put down texture says a grass seed? And if not, where should I store it over the winter? And when should I start uh, seeding in the spring? So dormant seeding. Yeah. We've talked about that. Uh, dormant seeding happens when the soil is frozen and the seed will not germinate. What you're basically doing is getting one task out of the way for next spring. You're putting it down so that right as, as soon as the temperatures are right, those, the seed can germinate mm-hmm. in the spring and you can get a jump start on your lawn. 
That's advised by our lawn care folks at the U. And uh, if you're going to store grass seed, just store it in a in a you know plastic bag so that it's and make sure it's dry. There's no moisture in it. You can keep it in a freezer. I've heard that. You can keep it in a an unheated garage or a garage that's maybe you know thirty seven forty degrees, something yeah. like that. And what is that website as we say Extension. goodbye? Extension.umn.edu and go to Yard and Garden. And get to the Arboretum. And get to the Arboretum. And don't forget the abiders are playing at the Tonka Brew Fest on November 9th. November get your tickets 9th. now. We will remind Fundraiser. you of that. Thank you, Julie. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.